My name is Josh Labadee, and you're listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. All right, everyone. Welcome to uh, the Forge Leadership Network podcast. We are here with Seth Morgan. Uh, he just finished up speaking to our Forge Leadership Summit. We're here at the Summit 2018. So uh, he just gave a fantastic talk about different structures of government. And we just kind of wanted to dive in and ask him a couple questions, things that he might want to share with the students. Seth Morgan is has got an impressive resume. He served as a city council member at the age of 23. And he was elected to the Ohio House of Representatives in 2008. So he's done a lot of things starting from a young age and then coming up to where he is now. So we just wanted to kind of to dive in and start off with Seth. Maybe if you could tell us kind of how you got your start and what kind of cat- catapulted you forward and what advice you'd have for people starting out in politics at a young age. Sure. So thank you. I'll try to be brief. You know, the joke is Rush Limbaugh and homeschooling got my start. Okay. Uh, So (laughs) would sit at home and and look at very pro-American, pro-capitalistic, you know, textbooks and listen to Rush Limbaugh as I did my school. And just I'm a a naturally a pretty idealistic person and was frustrated by what I was seeing specifically from social Christian types in the political movement. And so I jumped in at 23. I ran frankly, not knowing what I was doing, and hmm. won by three votes, by God's grace, or wow. curse, I'm not certain which. <laughs> and that was the beginning of it. So, you know, as far as people jumping, I, I'm a big believer, just get started. You know, yeah. Find a place, hmm. get involved, don't let hmm. fear hold you back, don't hmm. let the political parties in that system, you know, kind of coach you into where you need to be going. Hmm. Hmm. Now, all that said, there's a room for wisdom. There's room hmm. for not trying to become, you know, a U.S. senator when you're 25 if you're not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So find a place that pragmatically and principally you can serve hmm. and put the service over you know, the, the run itself and the fun mm-hmm. itself. And, and mm-hmm. it's hard to do because this, this can be an intoxicating environment when you, you know, when you put yourself out for public consumption. So. Yeah, yeah. You're now the CEO of MLA Companies. So I kind of wanted to ask you, how did you transition into that role from, from what you did more in the, I guess, elected side of politics in what advice do you have in terms for determining your direction for, sure. for those who are going into politics? So for me, and I'm grateful for this, it really wasn't that I, I was a, you know, I transitioned. Uh, I was a, I, I went into accounting educationally. The, the politics for me was the afterthought, and then it kind of became the forefront as I kind of grew and had some success, however you want to define that, in politics. So MLA started when I was a city council member and you know that was just a natural career pr- progression here's mm-hmm. what i would say rather than you know talk a lot about mla and how that happened because mm-hmm. it was kind of it was kind of a, a two-sided path that i yeah. continued on is that my encouragement to young people would be you know if you think politics is your thing uh, and i don't want to offend anybody listening to this mm-hmm. you know god bless you go for it yeah but i would encourage you to find something other than poli sci even hmm. to maybe go get your degree in hmm. find something that's marketable outside of it frankly the politicians of the world, you know, you, you know, I think I think you'll often be a better politician if you've got other perspective. And I'll tell you, the real key to this is whether you go poli sci or don't go poli sci, consider making sure that you've got an avenue to feed your family or take yeah. care of yourself outside hmm. of politics. Hmm. Um, what's the marketable skill outside of that? Because when you get hooked on, I've got to have a political or policy hmm. job. You find yourself, in my opinion, in compromising positions pretty quickly. So you were a CPA who served 
right. as an elected official, yeah. not a full time elected official who needed something to fall back on. When, yeah. 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 I'm not going to say that, you know, then or even now I wouldn't consider something full time in an elected office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there are places and times where that's appropriate. But, you know, my wife used to say, honey, can't we just pick one or one of the other of these? And, <laughs> and there was probably wisdom in the question. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful looking back that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Because when I lost my auditor's race in 2010 and the press kept saying, what are you going to do? What they were hinting for is what has John Kasich promised you? Uh, and um, I was in a great position to say, I'm going to go back and run my business full time. Yeah. But what do you want? What do you expect me to do? And in yeah. fact, in fact, that's what I did. Yeah, so. That's good. Just kind of closing it up here. You spoke today kind of about the four different pieces of, of governance. Yeah. What do you hope that the students took away from it? And uh, what, do you, what do you hope they'll do with that information going forward? So there's so much there, and I feel like I don't articulate it well in, a, in an hour speech. <laughs> what I think fundamentally I hope they take away from it is that there are four basic forms of governance. And, and I won't even talk about you know, the balance of power that we that we think about and see at the legislative, ju- judicial, or executive level. I won't talk about federal, state, or local for this podcast. I'll just say that I believe fundamentally, you can find this in the scripture, you can find elements of it in our Constitution. It's, it's personal, family, church, and civil. Hmm. And that those forms of governance are uniquely designed and uniquely qualified even to do certain things. And that when the other form of government usurps that, it, it blows up the balance, hmm. it ruins hmm. the issue, doesn't solve the problem. At best, it puts a Band-Aid or some frosting on the problem. Hmm. So my hope really is for the Forge students and for anybody hearing that message, whether they're 80 or 20 or you know 10, is to rethink the grid, the process, if you will, that we press issues through hmm. and to answer the – you may not answer the question differently, but what I have found in my life is the more I've tried to apply this – yeah. The more I find myself arriving, maybe not at different conclusions, but at a more complete and consistent conclusion that enables me to better consistently and with maybe better moral high ground argue the solution that I'm trying to apply. Hmm. For instance, you can't solve you can't solve you know crime by locking people in prison. Yeah. Now, does that mean we should stop locking people in prison? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But that's a more root issue that if you want to get to that. Hmm. The answer is not going to come through civil government, hmm. more bureaucracy, hmm. more. And, and that's not a that's not a spending statement. That's not hmm. a policy statement. That's a fundamental belief that I have about humanity statement, hmm. where I believe you know people enter crime for a host of different reasons, but you know it's 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 not because the civil government let them down, <laughs> right? I mean it, it's so so we often even as conservatives try to solve problems using the wrong form of governance or even the wrong layer of government when we do it. And that's what I'm hoping that the Ford students walk away. You know, my, my hope always is that whether it's Johnny Lunchbucket sitting on his couch or a Ford student, that they're going, oh my goodness, I need to rethink this one a little bit. And that it, even, if, even if they're not involved in politics, that they're walking away going, oh, saw it there too, saw it there too. There goes that politician again trying to solve a problem with the wrong, with the wrong solution. Hmm. So that, that's, that would be my, my, quick, hmm. my quick hope. And actually knowing what's at the basis of the public policy answers or proposals that they're offering Correct. rather yeah. than just saying, oh, I saw this on Fox News or I saw this on this. This, this has got to be the conservative answer to this without knowing why yeah, it's I, the liberty – it's the response rooted in liberty or rooted in our constitution or that, right? Exactly. I think – yeah, I mean I, I think the point I tried to make in there was you can almost trace back every question to one or maybe a couple root cause Answers, not maybe not answers, but problems. That'd be a better way to say mm-hmm. it. 
And we often minimize it by allowing it to first be. I'm not saying policy debates aren't important. I'm not saying that incremental policy wins aren't important and that politics isn't important. I'm saying that we often as conservatives, people who should be thought leaders in this cultural debate that we're having, should be the first and able to articulate from whence that problem comes and what a real solution would look like. Hmm. Then we can argue about how do we best apply that. It might be that a 20-week abortion ban is the best thing practically we can do today, but it doesn't. It needs to come from my idea and my belief about humanity and about God hmm. that leads me to believe that life begins at conception, hmm. not I just want to win a 20-week ban argument. Do hmm. I want to win that? Of course I do, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do. Yeah, I don't want to do that. That the cost of the issue from whence we're coming in, and that's yeah. a that's kind of an easy yeah. example. These become a little more difficult when you start talking about transportation or education sure. or. Yeah. Uh, energy policy, yeah, infrastructure. Um, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. yeah. but but the same. What I have found is the same baseline of argument can be applied and appropriately, and, and maybe even argued over, but appropriately understood as what problem of humanity, and that's really the question: Am I trying to solve? Hmm. That's good. You're helping to develop a grid. Right. You use yeah. that yeah. that term yeah. through which to yeah. see, perceive, analyze. Correct. That, that grid becomes apply. so important because it's not. It's not just how we view government; it becomes how we how we live our own lives. So. Yeah, it ultimately it ultimately our view of the grid ultimately stems from how we view. I'm going to let my Christian faith infuse yeah. this. How I view God. I mean, I think all of life almost can be put down into how do I view God? How do I view myself through that? And then how do I view others yeah. because of those two things? And so, um, whether you believe in God or not, whether or not you, I think you can look around. Your, even your basic observational skills, what you would conclude that humanity has a problem. Right, yeah. and that problem is we all think we know what's best and right, and we yeah. we beat each other up in order to get there. Sometimes we kill each other in order to get there, and out of that stems government or civil government, as we would talk about it. And so, before we run off and try to answer, you know, do we do we tax extracting oil from the ground or not? We need to be answering who owns the ground. You know, why does that matter? Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to call folks not in some sort of passion, but because what I found is often the conservative arguments lacking. It's just lacking. It's lacking in both solution, and it's certainly lacking in moral high ground and consistency. All right. Steph Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. It's awesome to be here. Adam, thanks for being here. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. to the Forge Leadership Network podcast. We're here with Pastor Matt Rawlings, one of the Forge board members. Matt, thank you so much for being here today and coming and speaking with the Forge Summit. Really appreciate it. Matt uh, Rawlings has a, a lot of things he's done over the years, worked on several campaigns that we heard about in the, in the speaking session he just did. Right now, he's also a lawyer, uh, and he's also got quite, quite the sense of humor, uh, as I'm sure you'll be able to tell. So anyways, Matt, thank you for being here. My pleasure, man. Maybe what's one to start out here, what's one thing that you could tell us as you started out? Seems like you got your start pretty young in the political mm-hmm. world and now you've transitioned to being a pastor lawyer. Right. What's one thing that you would tell people as far as getting involved in the political process or in the public square? Just get involved. Don't you know, too often people think you show up, you know, you're cool, you're fly, you watch Fox News, you you know, you read a couple blogs, so therefore make me your chief of staff. No, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Hmm. Stuff envelopes. Go put out yard signs. Hmm. You know, if somebody walks into my church and they're like, hey, I want to teach a Sunday school class. I'm like, first things first, go clean the toilet. The toilet needs cleaned. Hmm. If they don't have the humility to go clean the toilet, 
they're not ready to go teach a Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the humility to start from the beginning, stuffing envelopes, doing lit drops, putting out signs, yeah. you're not ready for Capitol Hill. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what would you say, uh, like how long did it take you to kind of, I mean, I know you worked up your way up mm-hmm. to, to sort of helping manage some of these campaigns. What would you say were some of the things that you learned along the way that separated you from those who maybe stayed working the low-level jobs? You know, as far as, you know, you were willing to put in the work and the time, that's important. What's another angle that, that kind of takes you above the competition? Well, the work and the time, it's not just the work and the time. It's the education and, and a willingness to listen to people who've already gone there. I had a mm-hmm. mentor. You know, I had a guy named Bill Harsha who was a congressman for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I used to go down once a week and sit with him and just listen. And mm-hmm. he taught me politics, especially mm-hmm. Southern Ohio politics. And the guy had been county prosecutor and then a congressman. So you go and you listen to those people. Don't just look at the talking heads on whatever network you're watching. Go and meet the people who have been in the trenches, sit, ask questions, then shut up and listen. Hmm. That's, that's really good. What would you say in, in your time having been involved in the political process, what's one of the greatest challenges you think that America is facing, and what do you think we should do to approach that? Well, I think that most of right now, even though I just gave that advice, things are changing so quickly Hmm. that you really have to stay on top of the game. And I don't even know where things are going. I mean, what's going to happen to TV ads in Hmm. 10 years Hmm. when everybody's got Sling, you know, and Netflix and Prime and nobody's watching TV commercials? Does that Hmm. mean we're we're going back to -to door-to-door campaigns? Is Hmm. that what we have to do? And Hmm. then there's that challenge. How do you go door-to-door when people get nervous when you even knock on somebody's door anymore? So let alone the fact that there's... 320 plus million uh, people here exactly. in the country. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's changing very quickly, but I still think that you need to listen and learn because there's look, there, like I said, there's a very real chance that with media changing so quickly and I, I don't think that in five years we're going to be able as conservatives to post and share stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as easily as we can today. Hmm. I already see people post things on Twitter. Well, this content has been you know flagged mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for whatever. Hmm. I think that's where hmm. we're going. So let's say we get knocked off of social media. Let's say people aren't watching TV commercials anymore. Nobody's listening to you know a radio anymore. How do we get our message out then? How do we win campaigns then? Maybe it is going back to literally the old ways of doing things, where we're mm-hmm. just going door to door and lit drops and mm-hmm. all and coffees and all that kind of stuff. That may be where we're going. Hmm. Hmm. What is one of one of the great subjects? Obviously, you being in, in ministry. One of the great subjects we often hear from people in ministry is that they want to stay out of politics, mm-hmm. um, and they they feel like we should not <laughs> bridge that divide, and we don't want to be uh, offense to people yeah. and things like that. What what do you say to people who kind of approach it from that? Uh, they're wimps. Um, <laughs> grow a spine. Um, I, you know, look. The, the simple fact is, as my father has said for years, the church did not get into politics. Politics got into morality, mm-hmm. and when that happened, the church has to speak. It's Hmm. that simple. Whether it's life or marriage or liberty, 
we have to speak up when we see evil pop up its head. We just have to do that. And the, the pulpit was used for that for, for literally, I mean, going back at least to the American Revolution, but hmm. far beyond that. I mean, hmm. you look at sermons by Luther and so forth. Hmm. You know, and I mean, John the Baptist and Jesus both criticized government officials. This is hmm. nothing new. Now, can you be a jerk about it? Absolutely. Can you go too far? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wayne Grudem, in his book, Politics According to the Bible, says there are two equal but opposite errors. One, never talk about politics from the pulpit. The other one is only talk about Hmm. politics from the pulpit. Hmm. Still got to focus on the gospel, but yeah, those issues need to be addressed. Yeah, that's good. And then kind of as a final question here, um, what is your passion for uh, being involved at Forge? Um, what's kind of your motivation and your heart behind behind doing this, being a board member? Because I think that when I look at what's going on, I think that Forge is the answer to the future, the future challenges that we have. I am sick and tired as a pastor watching kids leave my church go off to university, become indoctrinated, and become agnostic socialists. Mm. You know, I'm sick and tired of Mm. that. There has to be a way to train young people in the truth, and not just in the truth, because there are a lot of people doing that, but then also the practical how-to. All right, you've got all this, you know, information. What are you going to do with it? Mm. How are you going to jump in with both feet and actually make a difference? And that's what I think Forge is doing. All right. Matt, thank you for being here. My pleasure. We have Joseph Backholm here from the Colson Center, uh, formerly uh, served as the executive director of the Family Policy Institute of Washington. He just got done giving a uh, the final speech at our Forge Leadership Network uh, to the students here. Fantastic way to close out the session as he talked about uh, values and, and things and things of that nature. Uh, living you know, living a life with principle and you know that being kind of the chief chief thing we're we're looking at instead of just uh, being political. But uh, Joseph, I just kind of wanted to ask you what was you know in your in your talk. What was the main thing that you maybe wanted students to come away from that from that with? Yeah, well, I hope that they don't they they, they know not to be afraid. I think hmm. I, if there's a, I mean, fear is just such a deceiver, and it really does hold people back from being all God made them to hmm. be. Yeah. And so I would say one is is um, don't allow your life to be governed by fear. Hmm. And secondly is is plan and anticipate all of the there's a lot of moments where compromise is going to be off be an option hmm. and where you're going to have um, the ability to sacrifice something more valuable in the long term for something less valuable in the short term hmm. and you've got to kind of think through those scenarios in advance and you've got to know what you're going to do when you're going to do that hmm. and you got to have people around you who are going to help you you know, do the things that you really hmm. want to be and by focusing on who you want to be rather than what you're trying to accomplish. You'll accomplish a lot more and you'll save yourself hmm. in the process. Hmm. I love that idea of focusing on who you want to be, not, not, not saying other things. You know, it's all it's kind of more about the process 
rather than it's, result. It's all about the process because we don't control the results anyway. Yeah. I mean, we think, we, 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 you know, control is an illusion just in general right. in the world. But yeah, we get so focused on some kind of outcome that we think is the goal and we lose the things that are more impor most important, which is mm. our, our character, sometimes mm. our health, yeah. sometimes our families. Mm. And in really, you can't solve all the world's problems anyway. So even if you accomplish that, there's still something else out there. Yeah. And just keep the main thing the main thing, which is who we are and who we're living for and yeah. who we want to be. Because even if you don't accomplish everything you want in life, if you become who, you, who God intended you to be, yeah. then, you know, that's, that's kind of the point. Yeah, absolutely. You... Right now, you serve for the, the Colson Center. Yeah. You were the director of the Family Policy Institute of Washington. Yeah. Um, before that, I think you you were you were a lawyer. You worked in real real estate. Uh, yeah, initially. I mean, okay. before that, I worked. I was a staff attorney in the in the legislature okay. in Washington. But I did my first job out of law school was a real estate. Sure. So you, so you've done quite a bit in in the time that you've obviously you know the the years yeah. since and you, since you've been in your professional career. Yeah. How did you decide? Sort of what I mean. I know we talked about yeah. sort of being about, about the process, but yeah. how did you get into politics initially, and how did you decide yeah. where to go with it? Well, I would say in in in, in no case did I decide where to go with it. I mean, mm. I've never had a plan, which is it's just funny for I know for a lot of people is, and what I still believe is, you know, there's there's a proverb: that the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs mm. his steps. Mm. And I think God steers moving ships. And even the plans, when it, you know, this idea that the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Is we we plan. Yeah. Here's the thing that I want to go do. Yeah. But God is doing something entirely different. Right. Right. And really, for me, I, I walked out of the. I, I left the law firm because I just didn't. I didn't care about it. And mm -hmm. I went to the legislature because I care about ideas. And I thought maybe this is a place to do that. Mm -hmm. And really, ultimately, I think God was preparing me for something down the road. And I yeah. I think that's always what's happening. He wants. He wants to do something with you now, but he's oftentimes preparing you for other things that you can't possibly know about. Hmm. So for me, the key is, you know, grow where you're planted, be excellent hmm. in, in, in honoring to the Lord and what you're doing right now, yeah. and let him show you later yeah. why you're doing that. Because yeah. it just requires patience and trust in the fact that he's got you, mm -hmm. and it may not happen as quickly as you'd like. In fact, it certainly is not going to happen as quickly as you'd like, because hmm. we're all kind of instant gratification people. But, you know, what I've done in my life has been just my attempt to obey and be led and listen. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, here's the opportunity in front of me right now, and it seems practical, and yeah. so I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then another opportunity presents itself, right. and, you, and you try to listen. And I think, you know, depending on how what, what God has made me, mm -hmm. what my abilities are, and mm -hmm. what my passions are, right. and when doors open up and they seem to align with those things, mm -hmm. it feels like, okay, there's alignment there, yeah. so I'll go do that. Yeah, and so, I, you know, I don't have the next step planned I don't even have a sure. goal for the yeah. next step you know yeah. it's just but God knows yeah. if, even if there is a next step you know? right <laughs> right yeah that's good you have you've you've occupied it in your, as part of the Family Policy Institute yeah. kind of a wing of conservatism and the Republican Party that is not necessarily as popular anymore right. uh, focusing on the family and social <laughs> right. issues things for like sure. that so what would you say is kind of you know, a lot of people think about policy in terms of how it affects the economy. Yeah. You know, and things like that, and, and, and laws. You know, right. law and order, crime, things like that. Yeah. Taxes, all all various issues, yeah. which are sort of amoral in some respects, uh, in, in terms sure. of not, not necessarily related to um, yeah. immediate issues we think about when we think about yeah. um, the Bible. But when we're thinking about the Bible, the family, morality, 
How does government policies in your mind, how do those relate to the family in, in sort of a specific way? Well, I think what you're referring to is kind of the, the, the distinction that's made between economic and social issues. Hmm. And um, I, it's, it's very easy to make, and I'm not prepared to do it at the moment, sure, but sure. the case, I mean, a- academically you can make the case that social issues are economic issues. Yeah. Because hmm. the, the, the reason why we care about economies mm-hmm. Is because we want to take care of our families. Yeah. The economic issues, the, the reason that's even valuable to us is because we know there's things that are more valuable than hmm. that that, that, they, that they enable. Hmm. And if you lose the family, there's no, hmm. I mean, not only do you lose the, the engine that drives your economy in a healthy way, right. but you lose even the purpose of it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, ulti- on some level we all realize the things that are most important in our life are the people. Yeah, and you know whether we're married, whether we have kids, you know whether the family that we were born into, all of those things. The reason we want good economies with good jobs is because we want to take care of those people. Mm-hmm. And so I think the family is primary to the economic issues. They're just it's often harder to talk about. Mm-hmm. And and uh, in second uh, to that is that you cannot have good economies without good families mm. because. Good businesses, good business climates depend on people who are industrious and hardworking and yeah. capable and honest, mm-hmm. who can who can make an economy thrive and flourish. Yeah. Yeah. And the only place where you can get good people who are industrious and honest and capable right. is from families. Right. And so you need families. You need moms and dad together who are yeah. faithful to each other and good to their kids. So those kids grow up to be all of those things mm. that we want yeah. to feed the economy. Yeah. So I think it's a... I think it's easier and it's convenient to say, hey, I want to focus on the economic issues. Right. But I really think you're putting the, the, the cart before the horse right. when you do that right. and you realize what is the foundation, not mm. only what is the foundation yeah. of our community, but what is the purpose right. of, the, of the great economies right. and business climates that we yeah. want. What is it? It's to take care of people. Yeah, that's good. So kind of as a last question here, what's some practical advice you have for, um, for us as young conservatives in order to keep ourselves grounded in truth and in the word of God going yeah. forward. Well, and I, you, you kind of answered your own question there, being in the word of God. It, hmm. I mean, so much of it is is identity. Hmm. And um, when I go into my workplace, when I run for office, whatever I do, what is my identity? How do I see myself? Hmm. And if our identity becomes grounded in our career hmm. or in our position, uh, we will lose our way very quickly. Yeah. But if our identity is rooted in who we are in Christ, then if we lose those things, that's okay. Yeah. Um, if, if, if those things change, that's okay. Yeah. If we feel like we're taking a step back because of you know, the cost of discipleship, that's okay. Yeah. If our identity is rooted in how the world sees us, how we see ourselves, how much money we're making, right. what, our, what our job title is, right. we will compromise things very quickly to preserve yeah. what is most important to us. Yeah. And if the things that are eternal are the things that are most important to us, we're fine. And all the other stuff... Is, is is not of primary importance, so we're not going to give the rest of our lives up trying to defend stuff that really doesn't matter in the end anyway. So I would say, uh, to me, it's a matter of identity. Know who you are, yeah. know why you're doing what you're doing, and who you're there to please, ultimately. Mm. Yeah. And and the result of that is you will find favor in the sight of God and man. Mm. Now, people who are, are dedicated, certainly people who are real disciples will run into conflict, but ultimately... You will find sight in favor in the sight of God and man. You will please God, but you will also please a lot of people. You will bring value to the yeah. world. And yeah. When you bring value to the world and you serve people well, that will ultimately come back to you as well hmm. in, in success and money and a lot of things that we want. But it's ancillary to our primary goal of being right. who God made us to be rather than that being the goal. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Mr. Backlund, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all of our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.